And so can I welcome Sid up to speak to us today. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be with you guys. Real privilege to come and serve. Um, I hear such great things always about you guys as a church, and I know we're doing stuff together, which is lovely. Um, really, really like Caroline so much. She was obviously stolen, but by a great guy, which is fantastic. <laughs> so just thought I'd... Yeah. Philip's, Philip's absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, we do the academy together. We do a lot of other stuff together. And it's just yeah, really, really a great honor for me to be here with you guys. Um, so as you can tell, um, and if you can't figure it out where this non-existent flat accent is from, it's, it's from South Africa. So a few years ago, when, when, we, um, when we arrived, nine years ago or so, when we arrived in the UK, um, I had a very deep and meaningful conversation with some of my British friends. This will give you insight into the stuff that really makes my life work. Um, we were speaking about the X Factor. <laughs> it was really it's like a very big, deep topic. So we, we're talking about the X Factor, and I was really intrigued by it when I just got here, because I, I said to everyone, you know, what do you think it is about the X Factor that makes this thing such a big deal for people? You know, why is it so popular? You know, I, I saw figures, 14 million people watch and I was like, really? 14 million people watch that yeah. every week? And I was just, I was just a bit bowled over. And, and, and so, so my friend said to me, if you're not British, you probably won't understand fully why we like it so much, so let's explain. And, and they said, so fair, you know, I'll just put a disclaimer in there, they probably don't represent all British people, so <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to start the morning off by offending lots of people in the room, but I just thought I'd, you know, again, tell the story. So, um, they said to me, what we really love is seeing someone arrive, you know, with ordinary clothes, they've got an ordinary job, and then suddenly they have this little bit of hope that happens in their life. And week in and week out, the hope grows, and it keeps growing, and it keeps growing, and it keeps growing. And then, believe it or not, at some point they even could potentially win the show. And when they win, a few weeks later, they release a single, they sell a lot of it, and then they try and do the album, and it crashes and burns. <laughs> And it just, it's just something that we really love. <laughs> and I was, I was like, oh my, oh my goodness, my goodness these, these, are, these are kind people. These, these are people in the church. And I was like thinking, well, maybe the church in Africa and the church in England is slightly different. But I, just, I realized, you know, as, as time went by, these people meant well. They weren't, they weren't horrible in any way. They weren't trying to be unkind to the you know, to these winners, to these people with, you know, some of them have beautiful voices and real talent. But I also realized that something major was happening in my friends' lives. And, you know, it's easy to look at someone else and see what's happening in their life and, and, and say, oh, that shouldn't be happening in your life, and you miss what's actually going on in your life. And um, the thing that was happening for them in a major, major, major way is they were being shaped by something external. They're being shaped by culture, the way they were brought up, or the thing that you do. And uh, I guess I want to ask you guys this morning, I want to ask all of us this morning, what's the thing that your life is most shaped by? What's the thing that your life is most shaped by? Is it, is it culture for you? Regardless of where you're from, regardless of where you were born or how you grew up, what, is, does culture massively shape you? 
Does circumstances shape you? Media? Politics? Money? How many of you are shaped by money? No hands. You've got a great church. <laughs> How about the Bible? How about the Bible? Where does, where does that rank in what is shaping your life? So, you know, and it's, I'm not saying it because I'm standing here this morning. Anybody could be doing this. This is a hugely, hugely, hugely significant question that we should ask ourselves. And we should ask ourselves regularly. What is my life being shaped by? If your answer is culture, media, money, politics, what's going on around me up here? Bible, my faith, down here. Wow, that's a challenge. But I'm grateful that you're here this morning. Because when we meet like this, God does incredible things. He promises where two or more of us are gathered in his name, he's there. And when he's in the room, anything can happen. So I'm excited. If your answer is, do you know the Bible, um, faith, this Christian stuff, actually doesn't even feature at all. It's purely circumstances. It's purely culture. It's purely, what, purely what's happening around me. It's purely money. It's great to have you here too. I believe... Because of what God promises us in the Bible, if you and I will allow God, he will radically, radically, radically turn the tables, radically turn the circumstances around. So I've called my sermon this morning, Living a God-Shaped Life. And we're going to be spending some time in the book of Psalms, which if you have a hard cover Bible thingy, um, if you just drop it to the middle, you should kind of like being the Psalms. We're going to be in Psalm 20 and 21 this morning. Um, so if you want to turn there, please do so now. The reality for people like us living in a city like this is that the externals, man alive, they are loud. They are so loud. They just don't stop shouting at us 24 hours a day. The pressure to have your life shaped by what's going on on the outside is enormous. Enormous. Never ending. And, um, and there's only one way to combat it. Only one way. You could try anything and everything else, and some of it may work a little bit, but it will be short-lived. The thing that'll combat it forever is to go at it as hard as you possibly can with the Bible and to punch it in the face. You've got to go to war with culture. You've got to go to war with circumstances. You have to go to war against money and the pressures of what is going on around you. These two Psalms, I love the Bible, I really do, but these two Psalms, in the context of what I want to say this morning, they're just amazing. They go beautifully together. They just speak of God's heart towards us when we're going into battle. And uh, whether you're you know, at the place where you're acknowledging circumstances, culture, and these things is at war with us or not, because the reality is they are at war with us, uh, this is the best way to combat it. So 
We're going to read some verses together from Psalm 20, and then we'll just start unpacking some of the basics of what we think uh, God is saying to us. So Psalm 20. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. How many of you are excited when you read stuff like that in the Bible? When it starts off and, and the prayer is, God is going to help. I'm like, okay, I'm listening. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary. May he give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May he grant your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. This is good news, people. May we shout for joy over your salvation. And in the name of our God, set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. If we, if we get what David is trying to get you and me to see this morning, it's an absolute game changer. It's an absolute game changer in the context of externals influencing us. It's seriously, uh, this, is a, this is not groundbreaking in any way. This is probably one of the most basic messages you'll ever hear. But it's a massive foundation for what God wants in our lives so that we can keep walking in the victory he so desires for us to have on a daily basis. So Psalm 20 is a prayer. Well, many of you would know, but for those of you who don't, uh, Psalms are, are poems or prayers or songs. And in this case, it's the prayer that the people are praying for their king, in this case, King David. And they're praying this prayer as they're marching into battle. It's their, it's their battle song before they go. And notice the tone from the start. There's a, there's a genuine expectation in the hearts of these men. This is what it says. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May he answer you. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. The assumption isn't that it's going to be plain sailing. The assumption is that there's going to be battles to be fought. And when there's battles to be fought, there'll be distress, there'll be trouble, there'll be challenge. I don't think any battle comes without challenge or stress. But these, these soldiers, as they're marching into battle, they're speaking life over their king. And as they're speaking life over their king, they're speaking life over themselves. They're in the same army. They're not swayed by the fact that they're facing another army. Instead, they're focusing on the hope that their God promises them. I want to ask you again, when you're facing challenges, challenging circumstances, when you're facing culture, when the pressure is for you to think a certain way because everyone else in your university campus or at work or in your family or just the fact that you live in this amazing, colorful city, the pressures that come along with that, when, when you're faced with that day in and day out, is this how you start your day? Is this, is this when, you, when you wake up in the morning and you think, man, there's loads of battles to be fought today, 
you start your day with this kind of song? Is this what you sing? Or do you, or do you find yourself singing the song that's playing on the radio already? Do you find yourself just singing along to the tune that's already there? The song that culture's singing. If you're singing culture's latest song, the first thing David wants you to see, the first thing David wants me to see, is that there's victory in the name of Jesus. We sung about it earlier. Just so, so, you know, as we were singing, and as some of the prophetic songs and stuff were coming, um, I was just so pleased because I was thinking, man, what's happening here during worship is the stuff that's in my talk. I love it when God does that stuff. Names. How many of you know names are really, really important? Names are hugely important. Hugely, hugely important. A few years ago, um, my wife and I um, were trying to have children, and we were told, it's not going to happen. You're not going to have babies. Um, that's, that's a hard thing, isn't it? It's really, really challenging when you, when you get that news and you'd, you'd love to have a family. Um, I, you know, I was always thinking, man, at least four. Um, so, um, you know, at, at the very least. And then we can start talking maybe adoption and stuff like that. Just the biggest family we could possibly afford. And, uh, and so devastating news. Um, and at the time, we were going through a really challenging time with visas. It was really, really complicated. Um, and then, um, oh, and then um, the guy in blue came along, um, by God's grace. His name's Nathan. Names are hugely important. His name's Nathan. Nathan means generous gift of God. So when someone says to you, this is not going to happen, the reason why I called him Nathan, I, I didn't particularly um, even think of the name Nathan. I just started looking up names that want to speak about God's generosity. So when, when I looked up generous gift of God, I found Nathan. I thought, wow, I think I love Nathan. I think Nathan is the perfect name for my son. And the reason why I wanted to call him Nathan is because every time I introduce him to someone, I say, this is the generous gift of God. Every time someone calls his name, even in those moments when I go, Nathan, don't climb on that wall right now. Even then, I'm going, generous gift of God. Watch yourself. We don't want broken bones. Every single time. I, every time we say his name, we are proclaiming that God is generous. So if you ever, uh, even if you just want to pray, just pray his name. Just, if you go home tonight and you have two minutes, just say, Lord, I pray a blessing over that generous gift of God. I'd, I'd appreciate it. He'd appreciate it. And you know why I'm asking you to do it also? I want to rub it in Satan's face. A little bit. Because he loves stealing, killing, and destroying. That's his job. So every time it happens, I want to go, do you know what? God's generous. You can try and steal. You can try and kill. You can try and destroy. But God's promised the abundance of life. And that's why I called him the generous gift of God. So three weeks ago, that beautiful angel came along. And her name is Elizabeth. She happened to be born a day before the Queen's birthday. That's not why I called her Elizabeth. <laughs> I mean, I am now a dual citizen. And uh, my mother's name is Elizabeth. So that played a bit of a, a role. But Elizabeth um, has some significant meaning. My God 
is an oath. It means God keeps his promises. And Elizabeth means God is abundance. So I thought, well, she's the second one. And we were told we weren't going to have any. And this feels like abundance to me. It feels like abundance. It feels like God is just being so kind. It feels like God's just saying, just have a little bit of the abundance. So every time I say a name, I say, God's abundance. Remember that time when you were told nothing was going to happen, Sydney? Look at this. God is abundant. Every day, I just want to speak it. So names are hugely, hugely important. If you don't have children yet, my encouragement to you is think carefully about what you call them. Names are hugely important. So my kids' names, I think, are important. I think uh, they're lovely. Um, There's another name that's massively important more important than any other name in the whole world, the name of Jesus. It carries so much power, so much significance. When you say that name, anything can happen. Anything can happen. The possibilities are endless. Anything can happen. So, when you read, may the name of the God of Jacob protect you, this is what it means. The name of God means the one who stands victorious over everything. That's what the name of God means. The God of Jacob is the God of those who are weak and struggling. So if you want to read it in a different way, this is what it says. May the one who stands victorious over everything protect those who are weak and stumbling. When you're going into a fight, and the fight is for what's happening around you, culture is pressurizing you, I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm just struggling here because the pressure is on. This is good news, isn't it? Because the God who stands victorious over everything is the one who wants to help me and protect me because I'm weak and and stumbling. I love it. This is not just for people who are are facing their first battle and they're hitting a little wobbly. Of course it is. But it's not just for those people. This is for battle-weary people. David's men fought a huge amount of battles. We don't have time to look into all of that, but... I want to encourage you to read from the book of Samuel all the way through to the Psalms and you'll see a huge amount of battles that took place. And these guys were battle-weary. They were challenged. But this is exactly why they chose this song en route to every battle. They were lifting their gaze from what was happening around them onto the one, the God, the invisible God, who could change any circumstance for them. So if you, feel like, if you feel like you've just been punched around a little bit by life, this is for you. This promise is for you. I think, did you bring something similar to that, if I was listening correctly? <laughs> um, if you feel like the challenges have just overwhelmed you, the challenges are just too much, this is for you. If you think, man, I keep hearing about breakthroughs in so-and-so's life and that person's life in my life group and nothing's happening for me, this is for you. The name of Jesus is for you. Some of you may even think, man, I, you know, I was once like this. I, I, I used to go into battle and I used to, when I faced battle, I used to say, da-da-da-da-da, pray my prayer in the name of Jesus. But it just didn't seem to happen from where I was standing. So eventually I've got so battle-weary, I've stopped using the name. 
God wants to invite you in this morning. That's what he wants to do. He wants to say, it's okay. It's okay to come and use the name again because the name is for you. God wants to shift something in people today. As I was praying, as I was getting ready, I was just you know, pouring over these promises and thinking, man, God wants to shift something in you if you're struggling. I want us to uh, respond at the end, if this is you. Uh, there's a great prayer team here, and they, they'll pray for you. But if you will, I'm, I'm just going to give you a few practical tips along with that. Is that okay? I think prayer is incredible and changes any circumstance. But tomorrow you'll be, you'll be facing some battles again. We live in a pretty hardcore city. And I think some practical tips could really, really help us. So I'm going to take those tips from the Bible. Romans 12, verse 2. It's in the New Testament, if you want to look it up. But I'll read it very quickly. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. If you're struggling with challenges, culture, money, whatever it is you're struggling with, this is the foundation for all of that change. This is the practical bit for all of that change. We need to get our minds filled with the right stuff. You know, if, you, if, if you spend all your time on the internet reading whatever's happening in the news, you could be pretty disappointed. You could feel pretty low because there's some pretty hardcore stuff happening. If you spend some of the time in the Bible, it's going to change because there's promise upon promise upon promise in there for you and me. Yes, some practical tips for my own life. Maybe it'll help you. I really, re really need to do it this way. So I need to make sure that I'm making some space in my day to get this right. Now, I find that if I get to the end of the day and I'm reading because I want to make myself feel better as a Christian. How many of you have done that? There's three people. Still, you've, you've got a pretty much. Oh, Philip. Oh, great, great, great. So you get to the end of the day and you think, man, I am a Christian. In my case, I'm a Christian and a pastor. And I just need to quickly read some stuff just to make sure that I'm still proving that I'm a Christian. And then I just scan it and sleep and nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. I may as well have not done it. I, I want to encourage you. If, you, if, if you're a busy mum and, 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 and you think, man, my day is just so crazy, I think I have five minutes. God will use five minutes. God will use five minutes. So take whatever it is that you've got. If you've got more than five minutes, please don't give him five. So, so if you're not super busy and overwhelmed, and if you've, got, if you've got an hour, give him an hour, because you're facing hour upon hour upon hour, day in and day out of culture. So read it at a pace where you can get it. Don't just go through it as fast as you possibly can. Read it at a pace where you can get it. In my case, I, I found out in my last year of school that I've got dyslexia. So for me, the only way it stays in there is if I read it out loud. So I don't have a train commute. I just walk to work. But if I had a train commute, it would probably be difficult for me. I always encourage people, read it on the train. You've, you've got an hour. So it may be harder for you to read it out loud on the train. Um, but find some space to read it out loud. Because when you hear it, man, it really, really changes you. So you may want to start those sessions off by just a simple one-line prayer. Holy Spirit, would you help me? I need to understand this stuff. You know, God loves answering our prayers. And he loves answering your prayers. He wants to do this for you. So... We want to get what culture is 
trying to squeeze into our lives out. And we want to get everything that God has promised, victory upon victory upon victory, in. That's the stuff we want to get in. Proverbs 18.21, real quick. That verse tells us of the fact that the power of life and death is in our tongue. Life and death in your and my tongue. So here's what I suggest you do. When you find scripture that you love, when you find something you think, this is a promise for me, this is a promise for my family, this is a promise for my friends, speak it. Speak it. Life and death. You can even say, God, Proverbs 18.21 says, the power of life and death is in my tongue. So I am speaking life. I'm speaking life. Pray it. Get it out there. Let it reshape you. A few months ago, I was trying to just uh, make my way through a book on prayer by a pastor who pastors a church in New York City. Uh, you may have heard of him. His name is Tim Keller. And I was reading this book, and I found something absolutely fascinating in there. This is like a little section of confession, if you will. And he was saying, he uh, got to a stage where he just realized he was not praying with his wife at all. No prayer was happening. And so him and his wife had a conversation about it. And she asked him this question, which absolutely has, has absolutely changed the way I pray with my wife now. Um, she said, if you were diagnosed with something which required for you to take a tablet every day, and should you miss that tablet on any given day, you're dead, would you forget to take the tablet? Maybe it's just because I'm an extremist or African or something, but I thought, man, I like this lady. I, I, this is extreme, but I really like this lady, and this is really, really helpful stuff. You know, culture, tr culture will kill us. Do you know that? If we allow it, it will absolutely consume us and ultimately destroy us. Circumstances overwhelm you. All these other externals, they will just rip our lives apart if we allow them. That's why we should be ruthless with them. My encouragement... Treat it like this situation. Treat it like it's this pill that you cannot go without. Read the Bible. Speak the Bible. Pray the Bible. Sing the Bible over yourself. Second thing David wants us to see from this psalm is that there's victory in the gospel. Two more verses. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you the support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices sailor. So it's helpful for us to just understand a little bit of background. I don't know if you're anything like me again. Sorry that I'm using so many examples of my own life. But when I read that, give you the support from Zion, burnt offerings, I'm thinking, <whistles> verse 1, I was so excited. Verse 2, I'm now struggling because I'm not sure about the Zion and the burnt offerings. Anyone else in the room? Okay. Okay. So there was a day, one day, when burnt offerings took place in David's tabernacle. And that was on the day that it opened. And the reason why it didn't continue is because David was trying to paint a prophetic picture to us and for us, for the future. And this picture he was trying to paint was that a better king was coming, a king called Jesus, who would change everything. And his sacrifice would ultimately be, ultimately be the sacrifice that would change everything for us. We could anchor our entire lives on it. David wanted us to see that if we believe in the gospel, it would change our circumstances completely. How often, when you're going into battle, do you think Jesus died on the cross? I'm asking you, 
I've asked myself. I've had to prepare this. It was painful. I was thinking, man, Sydney, how often do you think Jesus died on the cross? You can fight this thing. How often do you sing God's victory songs over sickness? I lost five friends to cancer last year. My mom and my best friend were diagnosed also last year. It's challenging stuff. I'm still praying for them, day in and day out. And I tell you what, really helpful, knowing that there's victory in the cross, knowing that there's victory in the fact that Jesus died for that. Jesus died for cancer. I'm singing it day in and day out. I'm singing it with my son. Every night before he goes to bed, we pray for his granny. We pray for his auntie on the other side of the world in New Zealand. We're praying. We're praying. We're fighting. How often when your kid walks away from Jesus do you sing about what's happened at Calvary? What about when you're doing all the right stuff? You're praying. You're meditating. You're speaking the Bible and nothing's happening. Are you okay to keep going? I want to encourage us. That's why we are to do life together. Keep going. I want to remind us, David's trying to remind us, the Holy Spirit wants to tell us this morning, he's for us, absolutely 100% for us. It's interesting that David finishes these three, verse, well, these three verses with the word sailor. So it means pause, means think about it. David wants the truth to sink in at the start of the the start of the, uh, the psalm, he's trying to say, just take a moment, let it sink in. I just think living in London means we're not that good at this. We're going at a million miles an hour. There's so much that we need to do. Our diaries are so full. Our lives are so busy. We are so important. And we just don't have time to pause. I found what Charles Spurgeon said about this in his commentary on these verses really helpful. A little pausing might greatly help our speed. Stay, good man. There is a haste which hinders. Rest a while, meditate on the burnt sacrifice, and put thy heart right for the stern work which lieth before thee. If you're not a Christian, and you're thinking, man, my life is such a mess. My life consists of all the things you're saying, barring the Jesus stuff. I've tried everything, and nothing works. David wants to say to you, God wants to say to you, it's okay to just pause for a moment. Spend some time reading what God promises in his word. Pray over it and ask God to do it in your life. Everyone else will let you down. All other, I'm going to help you out there solutions, will let you down at some point. God, never. He just can't. It's just not who he is. Not only will he reconcile you to God so that you can be with him in heaven one day, if that's what you want, but he'll help you live in victory every single day you're on earth because that's his desire for us. The third thing David wants us to see is that there's victory in God's character. I'm so amazed and so pleased by that. The first five verses or like this prayer that's sung by the Israelite army, and then there's this sudden shift in the psalm. David turns up the heat, and the confidence in him just starts declaring this. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. There's no, I'm thinking about it. 
I know the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving mighty, saving might sorry, of his right hand. Another translation reads like this, with the victorious power of his right hand. God will save us. He will change us with the victorious power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord of our God. There's only one way uh, to know what someone's really like. You need to spend time with them. You know, some people, you m- some friends may say, you should meet so-and-so. They're absolutely fantastic, solid person, wonderful. But the best way to know that is to find out for yourself. And the only way to do that is to spend some time with that person. So David is relying heavily on the times when he had to draw on God's character. When he was wrestling lions and bears, when he was fighting Goliath. Uh, again, uh, we just don't have time, unfortunately, to go through all of First and Second Samuel. <laughs> um, but I encourage you, if you have some time, read it. And you'll see just when whatever battle came his way, he relied heavily on the character of God. David knew God was good for his word. He knew he could trust him. He knew victory was coming. Your circumstances today may not line up with what the Bible promises. You may be in a position of where something's just really, really challenging. You may be unwell and you think, well, God's promised good health. I'm just, I'm just not well. I want to say to you, you can trust the character of God. He will make good on his promises. Just don't look at circumstances or people around you. Even your best friend, your husband, your wife. Unfortunately, we just let people down. And if you've been let down by other people or circumstances, it's so easy to start judging God in the same way. God's different, altogether different. He's kind, gentle, loving, full of grace. So much mercy and compassion. He's for you. May not feel like it all the time, but Jeremiah 1.12 promises God watches over his word to perform it. These promises that God has spoken over you and me, he watches over that word to perform it in our lives. So what I love about Psalm 21, as a follow-on from Psalm 20, is that it immediately takes you from this, we're going into battle cry, into the post-battle victory song. I like it when I get to the next, because sometimes I can be really impatient, and I get to the next chapter and I think, oh, this is what it's like. There's victory coming. So I'm going to quickly read a few verses, and then we'll wrap it up. Psalm 21. The king rejoices in your strength, Lord. How great is his joy in the victories you give. You have granted him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. Isn't this amazing stuff? You came to greet him with rich blessings and placed a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked you for life and you gave it to him. Length of days, forever and ever, through the victories you gave, his glory is great. You have bestowed on him splendor and majesty. Surely you have granted him unending blessings and made him glad with the joy of your blessings. When, when you're facing all sorts of challenges, when culture's trying to shape you, when circumstances are shouting loud at you, 
Guess what the Bible says? It says sing. Sing when you're winning. You know, when you get a small victory, if you, if you pray for something and it happens in your life, sing about it. That means find some friends. Tell them about it. You know, you get to, you get to work on Monday. Uh, you prayed for someone. They were really unwell. They got healed. It's a miracle, right? It's a miracle. Something amazing happened. Your friend says to you, what happened yesterday? Or what did you do over the weekend? You say, I had a barbecue. No. Barbecues are important. Very important where I'm from. Red meat is exceptionally important. Miracles far outweigh red meat. Tell your friend about the miracle. If you weren't the one praying, but you witnessed it, tell your friend, I was in a room where I witnessed a miracle. Sing when you're winning. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Write it down. Blog about it. Do whatever you can. Because you see, ultimately, it's not only that God just doesn't want us to be shaped by culture or circumstances. God says, because of what he wants to do in us, he wants us to walk in such victory that we're the ones shaping culture. That we're the ones that say to circumstances, you're about to change. Jesus is around. Jesus is here today. He wants to change it. Unfortunately, I'm out of time, so I can't read verses 7 onwards. But if you do yourself, verses 7 onwards basically say this, with confidence, keep going and keep singing of future victories. When you see a victory, don't the next day be changed again by what's going on around you, but what you see on the news. When you see a small victory, say, do you know what, there's a big thing happening. It was happening last week. And then I had the small, what I think a small victory. Take the small victory and go and take on the big challenge. That's what we need to do, day in and day out. I'm going to pray. Uh, if you will, not mind, would you mind closing your eyes with me? I'm just going to pray. And then we'll get some of the worship team to come forward and just help us use the last bit of the service together to respond. If your life is shaped by any of the things I mentioned today, and it's so easy for it to be, today is about an invitation for you and me to walk in freedom. It's about an invitation for you and me to walk in victory. There's no need for us to be shaped by these things. Although it's in our face every day, it's, there's no need for us to be shaped by them. I want to encourage you, if, if you need to pray with someone to help you through that, the prayer team will be here to do that. Maybe you've, maybe you've come in today, you don't know Jesus at all, and you think, I'm fighting all of these things by myself. Jesus wants to not only be your savior, he wants, he wants to be your friend. He wants to be the one who comes alongside you and helps you as you battle. He promises to do this. Maybe you're just battle-weary, Maybe you've just been disappointed. Maybe you just started off singing the right song, but now you're singing the song of culture. There's a moment for you now also.
you just uh, set your heart right with God again. Maybe you're doing okay and you're thinking, man, I'm okay. I'm going well. It's a moment for us to uh, pray and say, God, thank you for allowing us to go well. Uh, we want to keep singing, so would you please keep empowering us by your spirit. Lord, thank you for your promises. Uh, Lord, I, we're sorry that at times we turn up the volume on what culture is saying and turn down the volume on your promises. We're sorry for those moments in our lives, God, when we do that. And Lord, I just want to pray that you would help us. Would you empower us? And thank you, God, so much for the promise of your spirit so we know we don't have to do this alone. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would empower the people of King's Church Kingston to walk in victory, to know your closeness. And Lord, I pray that you would help the people of King's Church Kingston to sing when they're winning. In Jesus' name, amen.